Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you. So make plans to join us. But right now, I hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today. Come on, somebody give God a hand in this place. Woo! I'm excited, guys. I'm tired, but I'm excited. All right. Uh, I went over to a friend's house to have some barbecue last night and got home way too late. Scott, if this is bad, I'm going to blame it on you. All right. So... The food was great, though. Uh, Hey, uh, I love uh, the series we're in. This is the last week, which is just a little two-week series, but we're kind of priming the pump for At The Movies. Uh, We've been, uh, last week, we shared a message series, started a message series called Stories That Jesus Told. And uh, I told you last week, I kind of lied, not really, intentionally lied but sort of accidentally lied. Okay, so uh, we're talking about stories Jesus told, and we told you that the stories we're going to tell are going to be parables. Today's story is not technically a parable. We'll get to that in a second, but it is still a story that Jesus told, and so we're going to go with it. All right, so it still works. I'm sorry if you're offended by that, but I just didn't remember when I made the title this whole thing. So uh, anyway, last week we talked about um, the prodigal son. Y'all remember the prodigal son story? And we looked at that. We talked about a lot of things. Like we talked about sometimes when you're being a good parent, it feels like you're being a bad parent, right? Like when you have to tell your kids no or let them make their own mistakes, you're really being a good parent, but it feels like you're being a bad parent. And sometimes God being a good father seems like... Like he's being a bad father. He'll let you hit rock bottom sometimes. And that feels like, how could the father do that? Well, sometimes him being a good father feels like to us, he's being a bad father, but he's not. He's a good father. And we talked about the prodigal son and how when he was at rock bottom, he was actually struggling. Hello, I'm not going to fall. Here we go. Uh, he was actually struggling with some labels that he had put on himself. So he had removed the label of being this guy's son and he had put on, you know, he felt worthless. Uh, he felt useless. He felt helpless. He felt hopeless. And the Bible makes a great sentence or it says a great sentence. And it says, when he finally came to his senses. Then he, okay, so he was acting crazy, but then he finally came to his senses and he said, hey, I think I can convince my dad just to let me be a servant. And so he goes home and uh, he, he comes to his father. He's been practicing his I'm sorry speech. He goes to the dad and he, he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He had removed the label that was most important to him and he had believed lies about himself. But when he came home to the father, he was finally able to see that he, oh, oh I did something weird. He, was, he actually found out who he really was. And so the father ignored everything he said and the father gave him the best of the best of the food, of the clothes, of the sandals, the ring, like he got it all. And and the son finally remembered and was reminded of who he was. So last week, what I wanted to do was I wanted to remind you of who you are. we, We live with labels on our lives that are lies. 
And so you might think, man, I'm, I'm always going to be angry. I'm, for me, I told you, I, I feel like I'm always going to be overweight or I'm always going to uh, do this or that. I'm not smart. I'm average. I don't know what your labels are and what you really think about yourself, but it's so easy to live by the lies that you put on yourself in these labels. But I wanted, I wanted to remind you last week, you are a child of God. You're God's masterpiece. You're special to God. You're valuable to God. You're his son or his daughter, right? Like you are wanted by God and you're loved by God and you're always going to be loved by God. And so that's what we talked about last week. We got all that from the prodigal son message. If you weren't here, you could always listen to it online. Uh, go to oasistn.church and you can listen to it there. Find us on podcasts, all that kind of stuff. But today we're going to continue the series and I've titled the message. And if you have the app, by the way, Miss Kim, I got the notes in the app this week. All right. So here we go. She loves it. But if you have the app, you can do fill in the blank notes there and follow along with us today. Um, and you can do that. So if you don't have the app, download it. All right. And you, you'll, you'll love it. All right. So today's message, we've, we've titled this, what hell has that you need? What hell has that you need? And you're thinking, what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to find out. It's going to be great. So um, I shared with you last week about all the labels and all that stuff that we kind of have uh, on our life. And uh, I wanted to let you guys know that I didn't share that, by the way, to make you feel bad about me. All right. So I know some people are like, you are just so special. And, and I'm like, you know, listen, I, I did not share this with you to make you feel bad. I was just trying to be honest and vulnerable with you a little bit. But um, I, I'm I share that to, I'm, I'm like you. I struggle with the same things you struggle with. And, uh, and so I wanted just to share that. But I'm actually, uh, I didn't know if I wanted to share this or not, but I'm going to. Uh, but I'm actually working on a lot of stuff with my health. And I've, you know, I've lost 15 pounds in the last two weeks, which is, come on now. Thank you. Uh, that number is going to get bigger, I'm telling you right now. Um, so I, I've been doing that. And uh, there is a difference I've learned something already. Uh, I've learned that what I actually need is found in areas and stuff that I don't really like. All right, so what I actually need is found in things that I don't really like. You don't know what I'm talking about? Like the yard actually might need to get mowed and really weed eating. I hate weed eating. <laughs> But sometimes you like what the yard actually needs is found in something I don't like to do. I just got to go do it. I do it like twice a year. I'm like, I'm not weed eating that much. I'm just not. And, uh, you know, but what, I've also learned like what I, the food I actually need is found in stuff that I don't really like. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not a huge, like, broccoli guy. I'm not a huge vegetable guy. I'm, I'm getting better, and I like it, and I'm finding stuff I love and, and making stuff that I can have, and, and it's, it's been great. It's been fine. And I, but I've, I've learned, like, I don't need McDonald's. I need vegetables. I need fresh food. I need, I need like the clean food, right? Like I need things. And, but what I actually need is found in stuff I don't actually like. Going to the gym. You know, at the Y, that's where we go to the gym. They have a, a hot tub. You know what I love? I love sitting in a hot tub. It could be 600 degrees outside. You can find me in a hot tub because it's relaxing to me. But what I actually need ain't found in the hot tub. It's found on the treadmill, and in the weight room, right? Like what I actually need is found in stuff that I don't really like. And uh, that's just a part of life. And I want to I challenge you today to think about hell. There's some stuff in hell that you actually need. And it's coming from a place that you don't really like. All right, I hope no one in here loves hell. And if you do, 
We love you, and I just want to share Jesus with you today. All right, but, but, but there are some things that we can learn from hell that we actually need in our lives. And so hopefully you can remember this a little bit today. Um, but like I told you earlier, uh, this is... Uh, not technically a parable. All right, we're going to talk about stories, not technically a parable. A lot of theologians, a lot of Bible scholars actually don't view this as a parable as much as an actual historical story that happened that Jesus was talking about. And it's used to teach a point, which can be kind of considered a parable, uh, but it's not really a parable. And that's because it has a person that has a name in it. And I've, I realized just now that I could really confuse some people in here. So the guy that is named in this story, his name is Lazarus. It's not the same Lazarus that Jesus rose from the dead that we talked about after worship. Okay, so yeah, it's like the name John. There's a bunch of Johns. There's two different Lazarus in the Bible. I don't know. It's into the U.S. So why not? Uh, Lazarus is in the Bible, and um, and so they're two different ones. So if you're confused, like wait a second, the story of Jesus raising Lazarus? No, no, no. That was real. This is real. They're just both share the same name. Does that all make sense? Did I confuse you? Great. Clear as mud. Perfect. All right. So we're going to go to what, what chapter are we in today? Throw it up there for me. Where are we at? Luke chapter 16. I have it wrong in my notes. Okay. Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19, Jesus shares this story. He said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple. Come on. You know what that means for the young folk? Dripping. Did I say that right? Who's the youngest one in here? Did I say that right? No. Sam, did I say that right? I have no idea. Okay. No cap, dog. He was dripping. All right, I have no idea what I'm saying. If you're over 50, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm with you. I don't really know what I'm talking I could be saying something terrible right now. Okay, good. Um, anyway... He, he had some sweet clothes, all right? And uh, he was clothed in purple and fine linen, uh, and he lived each day in luxury. Man, so you know how you live when you go on a cruise and you're just living? That's his everyday life. That's what he was doing. Um, and it says, at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus. Y'all say Lazarus. Lazarus. Not the same Lazarus we talked about earlier. It's a different Lazarus, okay? Uh, Lazarus, who was covered with sores. And now I want you just to hear this. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Whew. So this paints a pretty vivid picture of these two men, right? We've got one guy, he's rich, he lives in the house, and then his house, he lives in a gated community, okay? So his, outside the gate of his driveway is a, a poor guy named Lazarus who's covered in sores, and the, they, they, Jesus is painting a picture of how vastly different these two people are, all right? But they're, they're not uh, so different that they live in, they're in the same place, but they're living two different lives. Does that make sense? They're, they're in the proximity of each other. They're near each other, but they're having completely different experiences. And Lazarus, he's, he's got some sort of disease, something's wrong. I have no idea what's wrong with the guy. I'm not a dermatologist. Matt, do you know what's wrong with him? I'm joking. He's a pharmacist. He don't know either. But he, uh, he, he had something, right? Something was wrong with him. And the dogs would come and they would lick his open wombs. You know what that means in the Greek? It's gross. All right, that's what that means in the Greek. I have no idea what it means in the Greek, but it's nasty, right? Like he's, it's just gross. Jesus is painting this vivid picture. It goes on, it says this. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man, he also died and he was buried. 
Two different experiences, right? One was carried by angels to a good place. The other guy was just buried, right? He, he died, he was buried. And he went to the place of the dead. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus by his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity! Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. Now, I want you to understand something. The tables have turned. Now Lazarus, who was once getting licked by dogs in his open wounds, sitting by a gate just waiting for scraps of food, is now... In the palace, you know, he's in the place uh, with uh, with Abraham, and the Bible talks about this as being like paradise. and And he was in this place, and he was uh, he was experiencing uh, the. I don't want to say the life of luxury, but the, the tables have turned. It's the same story now, just in reverse form. It's in mirror form, and now uh, now the rich man he's in, he can see what's going on, and he can see what's happening. He can see Lazarus sitting next to Abraham. And they're in the same place somehow, but they're having two different experiences, right? They're, they're, they can experience each other. They can see each other, but they're having two vastly different experiences. The tables have turned a little bit. And I just want to tell you something. Both of these people live different lives on earth, but they both experience the same reality that all of us will experience. I just want to let you guys in on this. I don't care, and God doesn't care how rich you are what kind of life you live on earth, how awesome your family. Like, we all are going to face the reality of death one day. It's coming for everybody. All right? it's, it's the one thing, or one of the two, taxes and death you'll never avoid. All right? You just can't. Like you, and if you do avoid it, you're going to get put in jail. All right? But like, these, this is reality of life. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, you're going to die someday. And every second you live, let me just encourage you, is a second closer to that time for you. And no one knows when that is except for the Lord. And, and I just want to let you guys know that, that that's something we all have in common. We, we all have this in common. All right, so let's keep reading. Verse 24. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. All right, so Father Abraham, let's talk about that for just a second. Father Abraham, this indicates that the rich man was actually in the Jewish family. He was a descendant of Abraham. And he knew all of the stuff that Lazarus knew. He was associated with it. He was a part of the family. He knew the right answers. He knew about God. And he knew about certain things of the Bible. And he grew up a Jewish boy. He's, he's Father Abraham. They only referred to, only Jewish people would refer to Abraham as Father Abraham because that's ultimately their dad. Trace back generations and generations. And so he's a part of this thing. And, and I want to point that out because some of us, we might be in this room and we might think that we have a relationship with Jesus because we are in close proximity to the things of God. But that doesn't matter. Right? Like, this guy was in close proximity his whole life to the things of God, and he still missed it. And he says, God, please, just, if Lazarus could just dip his finger in water, it would help me a little bit, right? But Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted. And Lazarus, he had nothing. So now he's here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides... 
there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. So they're separated. And it, it seems to be that this chasm is so great that they know that there's nothing that they can do to get from here to there or from there to here. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's house. He's talking about Lazarus. At least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want to warn them so they don't have to end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. Like, they got everything they need, man. What, what do you think this is going to do? The rich man replied, no, 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 Father Abraham. But if someone is sent to them from the dead then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. And Abraham makes a strong statement. He says this, but Abraham said, if you won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. And you're thinking, what? If someone rose from the dead and came in here and talked to me, I would listen to him. And I would challenge you to think about that for a second because Jesus rose from the dead. And he appeared to a lot of people back then and not everybody believed. You know, like we, we live in a very skeptical, uh, spiritually skeptical culture. And, and Jesus is saying in this story, hey, people have what they need to make this decision and they haven't done it yet. So let's look at what we can learn today. What does hell have that we need? The first thing is this. Hell has a belief that we need. Hell has a belief that we need. It says this in, in verse 23. And he went to a place of the dead, and there in torment he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus by his side. Uh, sometimes, I just want to say this, sometimes reality hits us hard. Can y'all agree with that? Have y'all ever been just hit by reality at some point where uh, you're just like, the reality of, I have to weed eat today. <laughs> like, it's just no way around it. Uh, I'm, the cops are going to get called on my house. It's because it looks just nasty. Like just the reality. The reality, sometimes reality hits us hard. One of the times that reality hit me the hardest um, is uh, I felt this in a really big way was the day that Stephanie and I actually got engaged. So I have some pictures. I want to show you some pictures of that day. Look at the hair, guys. Now see this? No mustache. Couldn't grow a mustache then. That's why my little dinky one right now, I'm holding on to it. All right, next. Look at that. In the rain. You see how wet I am? Been waiting in the rain. I don't know if I was nervous or unhappy in this moment. I don't know. Uh, next one. Stella, look at that. Look how beautiful she is. Didn't she get lucky? I mean, my word. All right, next. This is it, the big moment right here. All right, and then I think there's one more. There we go. Look at that. This is just a great day. You can leave that picture up. Um, while I tell the story. So Steph was actually in Chattanooga with one of her girlfriends, and uh, we were best friends with this couple who was married. And so Miriam and Stephanie went to Chattanooga. Jonathan, her husband, and I were home. And this was the point in our relationship, I was going to be honest, okay, where she knew it was coming. She knew that we were, I was going to propose to her soon, but it was driving her crazy because she was like, we would go on a date and she would not enjoy anything because she'd be like, is today the day? Is today just going to happen tonight? And so the, the day she leaves to go to Chattanooga, we're sitting in the car and she says, um, I need you to promise me something. I need you to promise me you're not going to propose while, you're in, while I'm in Chattanooga just so I can enjoy my time. And, and I said, I promise, babe, I won't do that. 
she gets out of the car, and just like any good man would, I called Jonathan and said, I'm proposing tomorrow in Chattanooga <laughs> when Stephanie's there. So I went, I paid off the ring, I got the ring, and the next morning we woke up early and we're, you know, coordinating with Miriam, her friend, I, and I'm going to Chattanooga with Jonathan, he's got his camera, and we're like, all right, let's do this thing. And so we go to this coffee shop, and Stephanie has no idea. I waited outside of this coffee shop in the rain for hours, waiting. A, I know, I did. I, we were lying, but we lied to her saying we're in traffic, but it was also get Miriam to just get her to the coffee shop. But Steph was like, no, I think we'll keep shopping. And she, you know, did all this stuff. And so I'm waiting outside in the rain. I'm just sitting there waiting. And at any moment, I have no idea when she's going to get there. And she finally rounds the corner. And what I said to her, it's super romantic, guys. All I said was, I know I promised I wouldn't do this, but... Will you marry me? That's what I said. And she said yes. And, uh, and it was awesome. We went out to eat. And then Jonathan stayed with Miriam in Chattanooga. Steph and I get in the car and we head back home and we're calling our, y'all know what I'm saying. You're calling all your friends and your family. He finally did it. I can't wait. Oh my gosh. And we're all telling everybody and how it went. We re repeat the story 600 times to everybody. And then we're done telling people everything. And we're just driving. It's kind of quiet. And all of a sudden, reality starts to set in on me. And I, don't, I didn't know what was happening, but all of a sudden, I started sweating. I am legit white-knuckling the steering wheel. And I'm just, look miserable. And she, Stephanie even looked at me and said, are you okay? I said, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And she goes, do you want the ring back? Like, do you regret this? And I was like, no, 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 I swear I don't, I don't. And she was like, and I said, I'm just freaking out right now. I'm, freak, I'm freaking out. And she goes, what are you freaking out about? And you know what I was freaking out about? I, the only thought going through my mind was, we don't have any furniture. Like, what are we going to, we're going to get married and just live on the floor? Like, what are, I, oh, I don't have money. To get, like, what's, and that's what I was thinking, furniture. That was it. But re what was really happening was reality was settling in to something that was very real. I was getting married, and I had to take care of this uh, amazing person, but I had to, you know, like, man, it's time to man up, Clint, you know? And all of a sudden, I started to feel this weight, this reality, and all of a sudden, like, it went from, like, marriage being a fun idea to, like, all right, this is happening. You know, when, when, when it comes to hell, let me turn the corner on this, right? <laughs> I want you to understand Hell is a real place. It's not fictitious. Um, it, it's not a concept. It, it's, it, it, the Bible is very clear. Hell is a real place. And when people get there, there's a reality that sets in. And it was happening to the rich man. He was thinking, oh boy, Okay, but it's not, a, I see, okay, I just need some water. And all of a sudden, reality was setting in for him. But there was no relief. Hell is a real place. And we have to live our lives like heaven and hell are real places and people go to them every day. And I don't, I, I, we typically don't talk like this here. We're a lot more encouraging, but I just, we need to understand Hell is real. Heaven is real. And people go there every day in this community. One or two. It's a real place. And we have to have that belief. And people that are there have that belief. They know it's real. 
They know Jesus is real. They know God is real. They know the Bible's true. Like there's a reality that they have that we need. There's a belief that they have that we need. And you can't get around it. I want to share this with you. This is crazy. Pew Research, like Pew, P-E-W. Like pew, pew, yeah, look a little laser gun. (laughs) Pew Research found that 48% of adults don't believe in hell or they just don't know. Almost half. I want to, if that's you, I want to clear this up. Hell is real. It's a real place. Real people go there. Okay? Sumner County. Half of the people that go to Sumner County and live in Sumner County, which this is an old statistic, because um, y'all met all the people from California moving here. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, it's growing every day. I'm not saying that everyone in California is like this, okay? But... <laughs> People are moving here every day. It's only getting larger. And half the people in our community don't associate with a religion or anything at all. Nothing. Those people are dying every day. And if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, they they are going to hell. There's a belief that we have to have that this is happening. And we have to understand that. We have to live our lives in a way That reflects that. William Booth, he's the founder of the Salvation Army. He said this. I like this guy. I like the way he thinks. If I were God, I would make every Christian spend 15 seconds in hell. Would y'all love that? Right? Way worse than a submarine going on the Titanic. Uh, Sorry, that was really insensitive. I shouldn't have said that, but it it would be worse. Uh, 15 seconds in hell. Uh, Then we would be on the doorsteps pleading with people to be saved. If you could just experience it for a second and see what it's like. You would know it's real. You would never want anyone in the world to go there, and you'd be banging on some doors. Now, I'm not suggesting we do that. That, That's not, I don't think, the way right now that we're going to win people, but uh, we would be, we'd have a lot more sense of urgency if that happened. All right, number, so the first thing is hell has a belief that we need. Second, hell has a desperation that we need. All right, so it says this, verse 24, the rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity like, send Lazarus over here to just dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish. Like, this is terrible. Have you ever been thirsty before? I'm thirsty right now. Have you ever been thirsty before where you're, like, dying? You just have to. There is no thirstier creature than a child that's been outside for 90 seconds. You know what I'm talking about? They come in. Our kids walk in, and they're, <sighs> it's been two minutes. And they will chug a glass of water without breathing. And at the end, there's a, <sighs> I'm like, just take it easy. Like, drink a little, breathe. You know, like that, that just that, it brings a whole new reality to to Psalm 42, one. Right, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Like our kids live that out every day in the summer. Like, <gasps> like if you ever been thirsty, and there's this desperation when they come in to find water, water. I gotta have water right now, water. And they're they're just so desperate, and they get there, and they finally get it. And you should just see the grin on their face when they're panting for their life after they've not breathed, drinking the, they're, it's like just relief, right? There's this desperation. You know, desperation is, uh, is everywhere. Do y'all remember when we were desperate for COVID to be over? It was, COVID was supposed to last two weeks, guys. Y'all remember that? 
Like, and then all of a sudden you're like a year and a half in and you're like, good night. I, I need to go to the movies. I got to do something like, right? Like there's this desperation of just, and that desperation drove some people crazy. You know, like it just makes people go crazy because you're just desperate. Like this can't be, I just has to, ah, you're, you're just nervous, right? Have you ever been desperate for a vacation that you planned a long time ago? And you're like the last week of work, you're just useless. You know, you're thinking, God, God eight more hours. And then it feels like it's been three hours. You look at your watch, it's been uh, 15 minutes, you know, and you're just, you're desperate. It's like, I got to get to the beach, man. I got to get on that cruise ship. I got to go to the mountain. Like, I'm just, uh, just desperate. You're desperate for it to be over, right? Like maybe some of you are desperate to fill the void in your life. Like, man, I just got to meet this person. Oh, I'm just going to see who I can match with on this app. And I just, you know, you're just desperate because you feel lonely and you feel empty on the inside. And so you're desperate. And then all of a sudden you make desperate decisions and all of a sudden you've made some mistakes. It's because you were a little desperate, right? Like some of you, you're desperate to get that position at work. So you're going to work more. You're going to spend more time there, time away from your family. And you're desperate. You're like, I just got to move up. I got to make a little bit more. I got to, and desperation is everywhere. Did y'all feel stressed? I mean, I feel a little stressed saying that, but like desperation is everywhere. But guess what? Not all desperation is bad. Hell has a desperation for people that we need. If we really believe that hell is a real place and real people go there every day, there's, we should have some desperation. To be like, man, I, I can't let that happen to my neighbor. I can't let that happen to my family. Uh, no, I, I want to do everything I can without being weird. All right, I'm not giving you permission to be weird, freak people out. But like, there's a desperation to go, no, no, no. I, like, I need to get involved. I, I, I have to do something. We got to keep trying. That's why we do stuff here, by the way. And we try new things. And we, we do things like at the movies. And, you know, we're doing some crazy stuff in this room for at the movies. And, and it might not work, but I, I'm desperate enough to try it. Let's try it. Because what if, some, what if a family comes and they come to know Jesus because someone invited him to come see Encanto and get a picture with Mirabelle. Like that, I, I, I'm, I'm desperate for, for lost people. I need, we, we need to be desperate for lost people. Have you ever heard of a guy named Aaron Rolston? Have you ever heard this guy name before? Anybody? You may have heard this story. And I want to warn you now, not a fun story. Okay. Um, but Aaron was, uh, he was a mountain climber. And he went out by himself. There's a movie made about him called 127 Hours. Some of you are clicking now. Yeah, y'all know what I'm about to say. Okay, yeah, he knows. So he went mountain climbing by himself. And when he was climbing, a boulder fell and trapped his arm. And he couldn't get it out. There's a boulder on this side, rock on this side, and his arm's trapped. He sat there for hours and days. And he had to, he got pretty desperate. And you know what he had with him? A little pocket knife. So he's sitting there, and he's thinking about his family. He's thinking about his kids. He's thinking, if I could just get my arm unstuck, I could climb one-armed up, and I could get out of this thing, and I could stay alive. And the only way to do that was he had to cut his arm off with his pocket knife. So he starts doing the math, and he sees his knife, and he's like, I don't, this knife's not going to get through the bone. And so he had to break his arm. Then he had to cut through skin, muscle. He's passing out several times. He's in shock. Welcome to church, everybody. He's in shock. He's bleeding. He's trying to stop the bleeding, but he finally gets through. And he climbs out and he lives. 
Desperation will make you do anything it takes. And we have to have the same level of desperation for lost people. Listen, I love doing at the movies. But you know what? I'm not complaining. It's a lot of work for us. And it's a lot of work for our team. But we're desperate to see lost people come to know Jesus. And so if I got to sit out here and set stuff up, get here earlier, edit videos, like gladly do it. I'm de- if it's a tool that we can use to have a lost person come in here, hear about Jesus and get saved, I'm in. Yes. We're desperate to help. We're desperate to serve people. And it's, guess what? It starts with you. I can't make you be desperate. You have to decide. You have to see for yourself that, hey, I have to do something. I'm going to take responsibility. And I'm going to do, I'm going to invite my neighbors. I'm going to invite my family. I'm going to share with them. I'm going to be, I'm going to be different and I'm going to live. It starts with you. It's an individual thing. I can't make you be desperate. I can just share with you that people in this community are dying and going to hell every single day. And we're here to help. We're here to, man, I I don't know, but I want to depopulate hell and I want to populate heaven. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like I want to be, I want hell to be afraid of Oasis Church. I'm serious. I want to be terrified. Oh, they're doing at the movies again. Yeah, we are. I want to be feared in hell. And I want people, I want angels in heaven to go, oh, baby, they're doing at the movies again. Come on, we're going to get some now. You know, like, that's what we want for our church. Man, let's do it. You know, let's let's have this desperation. I love it. All right, the third thing. Sorry, I got to wrap up. All right, third thing. Hell has a passion for the lost. So not only a desperation for the lost and a desperate, it also has a passion for the lost. The rich man said, please, Send, at least send it to my father's home for I have five brothers and I want him to warn them, right? So they don't end up here. Have you ever been around somebody who's passionate about something? Come on, have you ever been around a Disney adult? You know what I'm saying? I, I'm used to be more than I am now. But like, if you're truly around somebody that's passionate about something, it is contagious, Right? Like passion is a powerful thing. It's contagious. And as you start talking to somebody that's like my father-in-law, for instance, he's not in here. He books cruises and he, they go, that's all they do. I mean, they're retired, so they go on cruises whenever they want. They love it. And uh, he's passionate about it. You get that man talking about a celebrity cruise line ship. Oh, baby, you're going you're gonna to be like, when am I booking my next trip, baby? Because he's passionate. And you're like, okay, ooh, that sounds fun. And then all this, why? Because passion is contagious. And here's another, I want you to understand this. Passion isn't taught, it's caught. You can't teach passion. But someone can catch it. So if you're passionate about something, it's easier for someone else to be passionate about something. And it's easier for them to get other people. So... When we're passionate about the loss and we're passionate about the things of God, it's contagious. It spreads. It's caught. Passion breeds more passion. And so we need people in this church that are passionate about reaching the lost. That's what they do. When people show up to this church every single week, we're passionate about connecting with them. We're passionate about inviting them. We're passionate about saying, hey, we're gonna pray. We're passionate about lost people. But why? Because hell is a real place and real people go there every single day. Passion, we have to have passion. Let me tell you something. One out of four people, uh, according to studies, one out of four people would say yes to an invitation to church if they were asked. 25% chance 
If you had a 25% chance of winning Powerball tonight, would you go buy a ticket? I'd buy a few. I'd probably buy four. All right? I'm just going to be honest and hedge my bets a little bit, right? Like, yes, of course you would. If you tithe on it. Now, listen, you got to tithe on your, I'm joking, you don't do it. But, but, you, but you would do it. The odds are great. 25% success rate? Okay, I'll take it. One out of four? Did you know if you get a man of a family, by the way, that the rest of their family has like a 90-something percent chance of coming to the Lord if the dad gets in church? Every man should, in this Sumner County should be asked to come to our church. Like I, and watch their family change. It's just one in every four. That's insane. Now listen to this, though. Estimates show that 95% of Christians will die and they will never win one soul for Christ. 95% of people who say they're Christians are not sharing their faith in their entire life. We have, to, something's got to change. We have to have a passion for lost people. We do. We, we have to have a passion for lost people. Because what we believe is the truth. And people need to understand that God is not mad at them. God wants a relationship with them. God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly more than they could ever ask or think like we read earlier. Like God wants that and he wants a relationship with people. And if it means you bring them here, bring them here. If it means you share with them yourself, share. With, I don't care how it happens. But I'm telling you, every week we're sharing the gospel here. It's an easy ask. I'm not asking you to give an invitation. I'm not even asking you to be, please don't be weird, okay? <laughs> don't, don't do some, something real strange and make someone feel weird. No, no, we build relationships with people and we invite people and we say, man, you know what's changed my life? Jesus has changed my life. I used to struggle. I used to be a really angry dad, and but God's changed me, man. You should you should come to church and like here, like it's just, it's really cool. You're you're not gonna feel weird. They're not gonna pull the snakes out. They're not gonna do anything strange. Like it's it's fun. We're actually watching Remember the Titans. You should come this week. Like once you have a relationship, that's easy. That's easy ask. So don't be weird. Okay. All right. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So how can you live out your passion? for reaching the lost. All right, three things real quick. First, understand that heaven and hell are real. They're real. If you understand that, you should get real passionate real quick. All right, they're, they're real places. Real people go there every single day. Number two, understand, listen to this, that people matter. People matter. We did giving minutes today, helped so many people. Every one of those people matter. I care about them. We care about them. Everyone in this room, I care about you. I love you. You matter to me. I'll make time for you. I'm here for you. I want to serve you. You matter. Why? Because you matter to God. If you matter to God, you matter to me. Guess what? Everybody matters to God. People matter. And real people die every day that matter. And they go to a real place called hell. The third thing is this. Share the message of Jesus. It's easy to get someone that's passionate to share what they're passionate about. It doesn't take a lot of work. If I talk to Matt right now about the Gators, he could, he's passionate about the Gators. Don't judge him, okay? But he, he could share stats 
uh, he could share coaches and players. I don't know anything about these players, but he, he why? Because he's passionate. He went to school there. He's passionate about it. It's easy. It's easy to share something when you're passionate about it. You come talk to me about planting a church, my gosh, I'm so passionate about it, I'll talk your ear off. If you talk to me about Disney, I'm in, I'll, I'll talk to you about it, I love it. Like, I'm passionate. It's easy. Let's get passionate about Jesus and let's make sharing the message of Jesus easy in our lives. And you don't have to get weird. I, pro- I keep saying, like, it, it doesn't have to be normal. You don't have to give a personal invitation and you don't have to go up to a stranger and say, if you died in a car wreck on the way home, would you go to heaven or hell? Like, that's not, uh, you could, if that's what God's telling you to do, that's fine. But it's easier to build a relationship and, and uh, say, hey, I don't know, Jesus has changed my life. Like, you changed everything about my life. Man, like, have you, have you ever thought about Jesus before? What do you think about Jesus? Like, it's just passion, and it comes out so naturally. And I'm not asking, like, and if you feel intimidated by that, bring them here. We'll share the message here. They'll get encouraged here, and we'll help you. We want to partner with you and help people uh, come to know Jesus. But it, you have to have passion. So we're going to understand that they're heaven and hell real. We're going to understand people matter, and we're going to share the message of Jesus everywhere we go. And you do those things, my word, I promise you'll depopulate hell. We'll populate heaven. And wouldn't it be cool? And this isn't for our glory. I don't, I don't care. Wouldn't it be cool if heaven had a city, like a big old city in it? And someone's like, man, what's that city over there? Those are the people that Oasis Church. Man, look at the, the, the people of Oasis Church impact. They, they all live in that city over there. Be, I don't know if that's how it works, but that'd be pretty cool, right? Like, it'd be pretty cool. And it's not because of me or Stephanie. Like, I, I, my name doesn't have to be on anything. I don't care. I just want to see people come know Jesus. And I want you guys to do it. I don't know everyone you know. So I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes, okay? Maybe you're in here. And this is your time. Man, you don't know Jesus. You may have come in skeptical or with questions and all that's fine. You, listen, you don't even have to have all the answers to come to know Jesus. The Bible teaches that when you come to know Jesus, he starts to change you and the answers will come. All right. But maybe if you did die today, you'd be like the rich man. And you might not go to heaven. But I want to tell you there's hope and there's a God who loves you. And he wants the best for you. And he sent his son to die for you so that you don't have to go there. In fact, you can go to heaven when you die. And not only that, heaven's like the icing on the, on the cake. But you get to have a relationship with Jesus now. So while you are here on earth, man, you, you have a relationship with Jesus now. He can start changing you now. You don't have to wait to get to heaven. So if that's you, if you want to make that decision today and you want to ask Jesus into your life for the first time, I just want you on the count of three. Raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on. Get it up. If that's you, don't be shy. All right, if that's you, you can say this. Say, dear God, I know I've messed up and I need you. I invite you into my life and in the best way I know how, I live for you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for coming back to life. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, now, I want everyone to look up. We're almost done, look up at me. We'll celebrate those people in a second. Um, we did this series to prime the pump for At The Movies, okay? And I want you to think, I want you to use At The Movies like a tool, okay? We're giving you a tool in your hands. 
And I love, I'm all about fun. I love movies. But listen, we do it so we can reach lost people. All right? We do it not only to have fun. I want to reach lost people. That's way more fun to me. And that should be way more fun to us. And so uh, if you could, this is the perfect time. Encanto's next week. The kids are all going to be in here. It's going to be a blast up in here. My word, it's going to be rowdy, I believe, as well. But it's going to be a lot of fun. And so I want to ask you, partner with us. Let's get some people here. Look around. There's plenty of room, all right? If, you've seen, if you haven't seen someone in a while, text them. Say, hey, we'd love to have you. Come on, come back. Come on. Some people, they, they leave for a few weeks, and they're like, oh, they're going to judge me. No, we won't. We won't. I promise. Don't care. Come back. And let's get some lost people in this room over the next four weeks, and let's see what God does. I think he can do something awesome. Are we, can we do that? Let me see some heads. Here we go. Come on, here we go.